This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering three conversations from our podcast discussing the recent Nature Reviews article titled Defining Comprehensive Care Models in NAPL. In this conversation, hepatologist Stephen Harrison and one-time hepatology nurse, now patient advocate and entrepreneur Louise Campbell, reflect on the development and challenges of care models from their perspective treating patients, while lead author Jeff Lazarus and co-author Jorn Schottenberg comment on their observations, while lead author Jeff Lazarus and co-author Jorn Schottenberg comment on these observations from a systems perspective. This article has received tremendous and richly earned publicity and attention, and this is your opportunity to consider the article and health systems thinking in general from the mindset and context of practitioners. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Stephen Harrison. First of all, this is very pragmatic and, and something that that we all need to be thinking about. And it's nice to see it kind of spelled out in crayon, if you will, step by step. These are the, the hurdles that we need to collectively jump through to manage these patients appropriately and provide the level of care that each of our patients deserve. And I say that even meaning patients we don't know about, because we all have our clinical practice of people we see each week. I don't know about you, Yorn, but in my practice, I, I might see 17, 20 people in a day of which 15 are usually follow-ups and I might have three to five new patients. And those three to five new patients, or just as you mentioned, it's a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get relative to the reason for referral. Even if they have fatty liver, it could be an abnormal fiber scan. It could be an abnormal MRI. It could be right upper quadrant pain and somebody just did an ultrasound that showed fatty liver. It could be elevated liver enzymes or even an elevated isolated alkaline phosphatase with normal liver enzymes. And we know that historically that could be a cirrhotic, particularly an elderly female. So I love, I love the eight-step plan. The questions I've got really pertain to what's the driver of this? Is it is an individual? Is it a health system? Is it a governing board? Is it a political system? Is it AASLD? Is it easel? Is it patient advocacy group? Is it a combination of two or three or all of those? And really, at the end of the day, how much of this is contingent on a drug becoming approved to treat fatty liver? Hey, Stephen, before Jeff answers the question, do me a favor, please. You used the word this, that in my mind, I could have seen just defining any of seven or eight things. What's the this you were talking about exactly? You said, how much of this is dot, dot, dot. Model of care. Okay. Because it could have been that or it could have been the impetus to do the work or a couple of other things. So that's good. I think the work is amazing. There is no doubt that what has been put forth is something that, as you mentioned, it's clear and, and why didn't we think of this before kind of mentality. But the hard part comes next. That's putting it all together and implementing this. And is the nidus for that going to be driven because we have an approved therapy? Like, I don't know how many times my GI colleagues tell me, why do I want to work that up? I don't have anything to give them except lose weight and exercise. My primary care colleagues get frustrated because they refer to my GI colleagues a case such as one that we just mentioned. And my GI colleagues will say, lose weight and exercise, go back and see your primary care provider. Oh, 
but wait, you need a colonoscopy because you're over 45 and don't you have a little reflux? So let's rule out Barrett's esophagus with an EGD. Thank you for that referral. The primary care says, oh, wait, I didn't refer you for that. I referred you for help with managing my fatty liver patient. And so that's a negative feedback loop, right? The primary care then doesn't want to send the patient forward because they know all they're going to get is diet and exercise counseling. So that's the reason for my question. Jeffrey Lazarus. It's a great question. And to respond immediately to, to those primary care colleagues, colleagues who, who make a referral and specialists finds that there's something else that needs to be done, I'd say we're, we're trying to treat people and, and not diseases. So if the doctor finds there's something else to, to address, then I'm glad they were referred. I realize that could be a bit idealistic and I can understand the frustration, but it also means that in these models of care where we've said it's multidisciplinary, you might have a nutritionist linked. You may be using a, a digital health tool to help with those exercise and, and diet issues that may start being driven by hepatologists. That might be a pipe dream. It maybe needs to be pushed more with um, the primary care physicians, but we're moving into an era where people are going to know more about um, about their body. I mean, look at the new, some of the new telephones that are not just counting your steps anymore. They're, they're counting and checking everything. And, and liver is probably the last thing that's being checked. We're working to get that higher onto the agenda. So you know, to go back to your original question, the health system is is ineffective. It's not working well. You're, you're sending people to specialists. Specialists are sending them back. We're losing people to follow up. There's, there's a lack of care. It's just diet and exercise. If we could get people to improve their diet or exercise, it wouldn't just be fatty liver we'd be addressing. A lot of conditions we'd be addressing. So I see this as sort of our way in from the liver field to helping to make care and outcomes improve for patients. We have an ancillary study I'll just mention really briefly, if I may, Roger, and it's related to um, the sustainable development goal. So that set of 17 goals to basically make the world a better place, which includes health, but includes many other things. And when we analyzed all of these goals and their targets to see what was relevant for NAFLD, someone in the group said, why would having safe green spaces to exercise near your home be one of the indicators for addressing for how well society is set up for NAFLD? And we said, well, if you can't exercise because it's dangerous near where you live and you're not wealthy enough to have a gym in the basement or an exercise bike at home, you're going to have these, these diet and exercise things. So I see NAFLD as an opportunity to reach the sustainable development goals, to make the world a better place. When you have, apart from certain individuals, but I mean, essentially when you have a fatty liver, something's not working in society. You're choosing not to eat healthily, or you're having challenges eating healthy food. You're choosing not to exercise, or you're having challenges exercising. And there's a lot that needs to come together to change that situation. And I think and hope, and certainly among the co-authors, I think I can speak for them, they recognize that hepatologists will have some role to play, and it could be referring back to the primary care doctor, it could be attaching a nutritionist or having their nurse trained up in, in how to address these issues. And as we move more digitally, it'll become easier for you to, to monitor this. So imagine someone gets referred to you and you're able to do something really simple, like just see how many steps they've been walking on average over the last three months. And you find out that it's 550, which means that they're really not moving very much every day. And they come in and they're 
overweight and they have you know, fatty liver disease, well, you have a starting point. And then there's other wearables, of course, that are much more advanced. And conversely, you can start to reverse and you can start to send messages of, of encouragement. All of this can be automated. So I'm not expecting hepatologists to sit around and say, make sure you, you eat healthy and, and exercise more on a daily basis. But as we start to automate, move into digital health interventions, the liver specialists are going to have a role. And then, of course, you'll, you'll have some patients that come to you that absolutely need your care. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, you know, incidentally, you were mentioning the phone. I've always dreamed about how I could take my phone and, you know, like with a QR code, you kind of take a picture of the QR code and a menu pops up at a restaurant. We've learned how to do that through the pandemic. Wouldn't it be great as in the morning when you first wake up, if you just take your phone and push it against your right upper quadrant and it gives you your fat quantification for the day? You, you have immediate feedback on whether or not your intermittent fasting the day before was effective. I mean, that's how quickly fat fluxes, right? It's something that theoretically we could measure once a week or something like that and actually give positive reinforcement. We're probably not too far away from that. Maybe not the new phones. Not that I'm going to have enough money to buy one, but apparently the new the new Apple can just point at your food and it will tell you at least how much fat is in the food. So, um, And then it can start to tell you that's like the seventh time you've had a steak this week. <laughs> and it's okay to have steak, but you might want to tone it down. So, so it'd be nice if we could move to what you're describing, Stephen, but the new phones are really doing some, some amazing stuff as well as watches and rings and so on. To that point, I think we could use that technology to our advantage and help putting together this eight-step process. There, there's got to be a way that we could get the patients involved with this as well. They all have a phone. Jörn Schattenberg. I, I agree. My comment to this uh, conversation is that the fact that Stephen is thinking about this is it shows how much the hepatologist is left alone with all the guidance and treatment management of all these patients. And I think the paper also highlights that we need that interdisciplinary team. We need support as hepatologists. We're good at managing our patients at an individual level, but of course, the future will need additional people coming in and supporting us to provide care to these patients. So, Louise, come join, because I, I think your perspective is a little different. I actually have a hunch as to what some of it might be, because we've been listening to each other long enough, but uh, go, come join. What are you thinking? I thought it was an, a fabulously well-written piece. It does exactly what it says on the tin. It simplifies and defines a comprehensive model of care that, as people have said, it's not rocket science. It just needed to be said in a way where people look at it and say, actually, yeah, that's the next step. The problem and a lot of the models that Jeff and the teams used were from the UK. One of the problems here we have is that we may have a lot of ability to be potentially able to make this work. I enjoy reading Jeff's work. It really makes normal sense in a, a scientific world. And it uh, you know I talk about the sustainable goals and how they affect low and middle income countries worse. And establishing a model of care that is actually fairly simple and cost efficient as it goes through is actually very easy to do. And we've seen from those eight steps, it can be done. What we deal with currently is a system that's not set up to do that. It's fairly obstructive at every single stage, aka our units. Uh, when I worked at Imperial, we didn't have a dietitian in liver because nobody wanted to afford it. But we all know the evidence says that if a patient goes to transplant in a very good nutritional state, they recover better, quicker, and uh, the costs are left. But you try and tell a manager that who's balancing a budget. So this is a beautiful system. And if I was reinventing the system, this is exactly what people would want to do. But all of those stakeholders can actually be very obstructive at different levels because they're protecting their piece of pie. I can name several hospitals who have 
have fibre scan machines. Who will not share their fibre scan machines out of one department with another department, aka an area of hepatology that will not lend it to HIV to monitor fatty liver disease? So that's within a hospital. Getting these models across those barriers is a really significant issue. And the excellent areas that the team chose are some of the best areas in the UK, Nottingham, Birmingham, places like that where they've gone beyond those models. They've come from internal. We used a nurse-led model at Imperial for our viral hepatitis. Everybody handed the patient to the nurses. They handed them back at the end of treatment and post-SVR. We did. We moved into FibroScan. We did most of the FibroScanning. We did the brief intervention because, because it came from within. We had great support from all of physicians. And where you see those models that are brought to the fore here, they have great teams. They have great multidisciplinary connections and they have those avenues that I would love to see throughout every country, particularly low and socioeconomic, because we have the ability to start to make it more effective and pick up earlier and use simple lifestyle measurements to really make a significant difference, which is probably better balanced in there. So that's why I enjoy reading the work. And I particularly enjoyed this article because it does highlight all seven areas used nurse specialists as one of the primary mechanisms of delivering the care that was used, even though they had different nuances bring that centralised person in, it can be done. But non-communicable disease coordination has to be the way of the future. We've got to define non-alcoholic steatohepatitis and NAFLD as an NCD yet. It's just part of the common ones that are causing us the biggest concern. So getting it recognised independently would be a significant piece. But I, I love this piece. It really is what we want to see on the tin. Jeff, in one sense, Louise and Stephen each raise a similar question, which is what are the strongest leverage points forward like to be? Do you have, particularly in the places that haven't got models like this set up? T- taking the long view, and Jaron can chime in since he just recently led a, a large study on cost effectiveness. What you're describing, Louise, we say exactly in our conclusions. I know I'm not supposed to read, but I'll read really quickly. We say health systems need to start reorienting to ensure that care can be delivered efficiently and effectively to address this progressive condition and reduce its wide-reaching health implications. These are wide-reaching health implications. This isn't just the, the liver. I mean, this is a part of metabolic syndrome. And we say effectively and efficiently. And those are good sales points to payers and hospital administrators. We had a similar situation to what you're describing with the fiber scan. There have been European projects where people even moved portable fiber scans earlier between countries to demonstrate that a portable fiber scan could be used in the community or for a particular population that may not go to the hospital. We've had similar situations with gene experts. The excess capacity in sub-Saharan Africa, where you have a dearth of labs and you have these multi-platform gene testing devices in the gene expert. If they were bought for the TB program, you weren't able to use it for HIV and definitely not for, for hepatitis. And so, you know, these are, are perversions <laughs> in the system that need to be called out and, and addressed and, and, and overcome one by one. So like Roger said earlier, this is the blinding light of the obvious. So now we have this and you need to take this and, and, and hold it up. It's a mirror to administrators and say, your hospital is, is inefficient because you have patients bouncing back and forth. And like you said, with the transplant patients, if you had a dietitian and they had a better nutritional state for the transplant or a better nutritional state that would help them with their diabetes, with their cardiovascular disease, with their fatty liver disease, and so on, it's going to save you money in the long run. It's going to save money for insurers and private healthcare systems, and it's going to save money for, for the payers in our in our public health systems, like across much of Europe. And so we've started engaging. People are starting to see it. I and mean, Stephen, you asked earlier about the drug and the treatment. That's 
also going to be a challenge where I think some systems will say if a medication comes that needs to be prescribed and if it's expensive and if it needs to be taken for a long time, we'd really like to have some more dietitians and nutritionists involved since it's proven that that can help. So um, so in some ways, that pipeline can be really useful to drive the kind of, of model of care that, that we think needs to be in place. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next Wednesday, August 11th, to discuss the multidisciplinary call to action in the face of the Nash pandemic that connects endocrinologists, gastroenterologists, and primary care physicians in pursuing multi-specialty care, Nash and NAFL. Stephen Harrison was a co-author, and we will be joined by Ken Cousy, who sat on the steering committee for the project. This is an important initiative, and we are thrilled to bring this episode to you. I hope you will join us then. Until then, stay safe, surf on, see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.